James chapter 5, verse 7 and 8. Listen, as we dive into this passage this morning, we're going to see once again, and this is good news, Jesus Christ is coming soon. And we're going to see that's the case, and we know that's the case, not because of my opinion or anyone's opinion, because the Word of God declares it, and Jesus Christ declares it, and the Word of God is true, and Jesus Christ is true. But in light of this truth, we're going to get some instruction. Whenever we come to a subject matter in Scripture, we always want to look at that in light of other passages in Scripture and what it says pertaining to that. And you know what? We want to study the Bible in context, in the context of Genesis through Revelation. And this morning with this, again, reminder that the Lord's coming soon, uh, and this call to be patient and to establish our hearts, we want to look at that in light, first of all, of other things said about the coming of the Lord and said in the context of being patient and establishing our hearts and why. And then we're also going to look at this in the context of the things said right before this, which we looked at last week, the six verses before this, that also talk about the last days that really get into our behavior and the way we are living in the last days, knowing we're going to give an account of our lives as followers of the Lord Jesus Christ. Let's read the text here right, right now, though, and I want to set this up a little bit more because we're going to see this reoccurring call throughout our message this morning as we look at this text and compare Scripture with Scripture to this call to know the Lord is coming soon, therefore we need to be patient and we need to endure. And we want to look at, again, the reasons why and then how to grow in our patience and endurance in walking with the Lord practically. And we're going to see, listen, there's a lot of things chipping away at that. There's a lot of things wanting to wear us down and so forth. So it's all the more we need to get equipped on how to endure. And again, in a world where there's a lot of resistance against truth and being a follower of Jesus Christ. So notice verse 7 and 8 here at James 5. Therefore, be patient, brethren, until the coming of the Lord. See how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth, waiting patiently for it until it receives the early and latter rain. You also be patient, establish your hearts, and notice, for the coming of the Lord is at hand. Now, listen, with that in mind, and with the things I've already said in mind, we got to understand that Jesus and his ministry, and many, again, books of the Bible, most of the epistles, all talk about the coming of the Lord. And, again, a lot to be said about it, but one thing that we see said oftentimes is that as we approach the coming of the Lord, there's going to be more and more people that fall away from the faith, a rejection of truth, and even true believers that really don't embrace their faith and walk in it, but instead really walk in a backslidden state. Now, I don't know anyone's heart. I thank the Lord for that. I'm not the one to judge whether someone's born again or not. Again, we can judge someone's doctrine and if Someone's got a false idea of what salvation is. I think we can safely say, listen, if they really believe that, that's not a message of salvation, so they need to come to faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. But ultimately, this morning, as we look at these things and we talk about this kind of falling away and people not enduring, we got to ask the question, first of all, do I really know the Lord? And then if I do, am I really patiently enduring and abounding in Him? Or am I in this place where I'm shrinking back? And not abounding in the Lord, but instead bearing my gifts and talents. So I just want to throw that out kind of as a, as a I don't know if the, word, the right word is a disclaimer, or just kind of as an umbrella over this this morning. Um, but Jesus said in Luke 18, 8, he's talking about not 
fainting but praying. And he gives an illustration about, again, a widow who goes to a judge that doesn't fear God or man, and yet she pesters him. So he gives in to her, and he talks about us praying that way, of praying in faith with a persistency before the Lord. And then the widow finally gets justice. And then in verse 18 of, chapter 18, verse 8 of Luke, Jesus says, I tell you, he will avenge them speedily. And it talks about really here those believers that there's great persecution on them in the last days who will avenge them speedily. And then he says, nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, will he really find faith on the earth? And boy, that is an incredible statement that the Lord makes there. When he returns, and again, we're talking about the coming of the Lord and the state of the world and the fact that we need to be patient, we need to be enduring. The Lord says, when I return, when I come back, will I really find faith on the earth? Now, again, we look at that statement in context of Scripture. When the Bible talks about faith, it's not talking about just faith in whatever. Listen, everyone has faith in something. You got in your car today, you drove, you put some faith in your vehicle to get you to point A to point B. You get in a plane, you're having faith that you're not going to crash. And some of the stuff we take for granted, you start thinking about it. Human beings get into a metal tin can and they fly over the earth. That's pretty crazy when you start thinking about it. But there's a measure of faith in that, right? The Bible's not talking about that. Jesus isn't talking about that when he says, will I really find faith? Listen, faith, when it's talked about in the scripture, it's referring to biblical saving faith. It's referring to individuals who acknowledge that they're sinners, and in that sin, they're under the wrath and condemnation of God. That's the bad news, but have turned to the good news. They have turned to faith in Jesus Christ, believing he died on the cross for their sins, took the wrath through them upon himself, that he was buried in the grave. He died for us. The wages of our sin is death. The wages of our sin is wrath. Jesus took that. Jesus died for us. But because he was without sin, death couldn't hold him. And he conquered sin, death, Satan, and Hades when he rose again from the grave. Those that have put their faith in Jesus to be their Lord and Savior. The Lord says, when I return, will I really find that faith on earth? And boy, what a question for the Lord to ask. That's something that should really stir our hearts. That's something that should step us back, first of all, and ask the question, do I really have faith? And again, listen, we should never make the gospel complex because, because it's simple But at the same time, we can complex it in making it something that it is not or adding to it and making something that it's not or taking away from it making something it's not. We need to ask the question, do we have faith? And listen, um, I want to believe that that we do have faith today. And if you don't, you'll come to faith in Him. Amen? Amen? But it's also interesting because the Bible talks about people falling away from the faith. And turning away from truth. And again, when we talk about this, I think, again, without knowing anyone's heart, oftentimes it seems maybe there's two categories being talked about. Individuals who think they're saved, yet they really aren't. The Bible talks about they went out from us because they were never really of us. Talking about the body of Christ. And we'll see some other scriptures about this this morning. People that they're excited for a while, then they, you know what, go back to where they were and it's really showing they never really were saved in the first place because listen if we have eternal life when we get saved that means we're saved for eternity right but the bible talks about people falling away and i think it also when it's about people falling away it refers to that christian who is saved but they don't walk in that newness of life they get worn down they don't 
remain patient. They quit getting established in the truth. And we're going to talk about being established in the Lord. It's really being established in the word of God. And the word of God and truth is under assault. It really is. And if you're going to stand in it, you need patience. You need endurance today. Because our world is rapidly changing. And listen, truth is under a great assault all over the place. But Jesus said this in Matthew 24.10. And this is when the disciples asked him, it was Passion Week when the Lord was going to the cross. This is called the Olivet Discourse. They're on the Mount of Olives. They asked him, what would be the sign of his return at the end of the age? And Jesus talked about a lot of things at the end of our message. We may touch on a few more of them just quickly. But listen to what the Lord said in Matthew 24, 10 of many of these things that he talks about. He says, and then many will be offended. And the word here, offended, you know, if you ever read that, I thought, well, yeah, offended people are always offended. More people are going to be offended. And boy, people are easily offended today, aren't they? But the word offended here, it means apostasy. And so, in fact, some translators say many will give into apostasy or to be tripped up. And apostasy is turning away from the truth. They're offended by the truth of the scriptures. They're offended that the Bible says Jesus is the way, the truth, and life. And no one comes to the Father but by him. They're offended because the Bible says marriage is between one man and one woman. They're offended because Jesus said, if you want to be my disciple, take up your cross and follow me, and so on and so forth. And boy, the word of God is greatly offensive to many people today, is it not? I mean, there's nations in the world that are calling God's word hate speech. Our neighbors to the north, listen, if you preach certain scriptures, you can get arrested for that. And then sadly, though, even in Christianum, you're seeing a, like a grudge against the truth. People not wanting to test things by the truth. Well, I know it's not true, but it really got hold of me and my emotions and so forth. So how dare you even bring up the truth? Because it was an emotional story that gripped me. But you're like, but the truth says that's wrong. But we don't want that. We'd rather listen to fiction that it appeases us and makes us a little more comfortable in this culture that's anti-truth. That's where we want to be. And to stand in the truth, you've got to be patient. You've got to endure. And when the Bible talks about endurance... That's not necessarily a fun word, is it? And in fact, the Lord talks about that. He says again there in Matthew 24, 10, that many will be offended or trip up and give into apostasy. Notice here, betray one another and will hate one another. And boy, that's at an all-time high, isn't it? And the verse 11, then many false prophets will rise up and deceive many. And because of lawlessness will abound. And lawlessness is, a, again, we don't love the truth. We want disorder we don't want the truth of the law of god we want disorder and because lawlessness will abound the love of many will grow cold so three times he talks about many falling away hating one another hating the truth and then he says verse 13 but he who endures to the end shall be saved and this goes hand in hand what we're looking at here in james establish your heart be patient the lord is coming soon endure fight the good fight Take up your cross and follow me because over here the Lord is saying, will I find faith when I come? And many will fall away from the faith. They're going to give in to apostasy, false teaching. They're going to get tripped up. Their love for the truth is going to grow cold. Hate's going to abound. Look, so many people, if you don't agree with them, they hate you. People don't even want to converse today. You know, they'll make some statement and, you know, social media can be a wonderful thing, but boy, it can be so damaging. You say, well, I don't quite agree with it. Have you considered this? The next thing you know, where did I go? Well, I'm defending you. I don't like you. You know what? You invaded my space of 
what I want to walk in. So you're out. Man, it's just abounding all over the place. Don't hate people that don't agree with you. Amen. Amen. Love them. Share truth with them. Try to be respectful towards them. And listen, if they hate you, that doesn't give us opportunity to hate them back. Love them all the more and pray for them. But again, the, war, the Bible talks about this many. The word many is used all over in the scripture when it talks about people abandoning the truth as we see the day of the Lord approaching. I see it happening, but it doesn't matter whether I see it happening or not. The Bible says it will happen. And then I look and it's like it's happening as the Bible said, which is incredibly, you know what, assuring. And boy, isn't that something to build our faith? Think about it. You see things unfolding and you're like, man, it's grievous. It's heartbreaking. But the Bible said it would happen just like this. So on one hand, we grieve, but this should really incredibly build our faith because the word of God's spot on in it. So again, as we go through this text, we want to look at it in the light of what was said before this. It really talks about our lives here and how it's going to affect our eternity. We'll read that here in a second. But we also want to read it in light of what the Bible talks about, the coming of the Lord. And again, in context, establish yourself, be patient. And why? Because the Lord said, are many going to fall away? We don't want to fall away. We want to be established. So again, let's read the text again and we'll start breaking this down. I think a lot of good things for us here this morning. Again, verse 7, therefore, be patient, brethren, until the coming of the Lord. See how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth, waiting patiently for it until it receives the early and latter rain. You also be patient. Establish your hearts for the coming of the Lord is at hand. So again, the therefore connects us to what's before this. And again, we always look at scripture in light of scripture. This is how we study in context. So we already talked about the context of scripture of being patient. Being established because the Lord said, will I find faith and many will fall away from the faith. Be endure, endure, endure to the end. And now notice James 5, 1 through 6. Let's read it again. We talked about it last week. I won't preach this again. You can get it on CD or it's online or whatever. It's on Facebook. It's all over the place. James 5, 1. Come now, you rich, weep in hell for your miseries that are coming upon you. Well, that doesn't sound very fun. Verse 2. Your riches are corrupted. And your garments are moth-eaten, your gold and silver are corroded, and their corrosion will be a witness against you, and will eat your flesh like fire. You have heaped up treasure in the last days, indeed the wages of the laborers who mowed your fields, which you kept back by fraud, cry out. And the cries of the reapers have reached the ears of the Lord of Sabaoth, or the Lord of hosts. You have lived on the earth in pleasure and luxury, you have fattened your hearts as in the day of slaughter. You have condemned, you have murdered the just, and he does not resist you. And we looked at this last week when we talked about rich. Look, at we saw there's two ways of looking at this. You can be like the average American who would say the rich is a millionaire. Or you can look at this as the average person in the world who would say the average American is rich. Really, most people in the world will say any American is rich. Wow, they have a pair of shoes, they're rich. They have access to food and water, they're rich. They have a jacket, they're rich. And we talked about how we would be so better off taking this personally than trying to kick it to the billionaires and the Fortune 500. And that's how we looked at it, and I think that's how we should look at it. And notice again, this is all being said in light of the last days. The Lord's coming back, and we're going to give an account. 
And with our wealth, and the Bible talks about this, our talents, what we did with what the Lord gave us when we became Christians, they're either going to be a witness of our faithfulness to the Lord. The Lord saying, well done, thy good and faithful servant. We want to hear that, amen. amen. Or they'll be a witness against us, that we live selfishly, that we were unfaithful stewards, that we didn't rightfully handle the truth. And again, let's remember, we looked at it last week, to that servant that just buried his talents in the earth, which is really a picture of just saying, I want to live like the world. He said, you're a wicked and lazy servant. And guess what? On that white throne judgment, the Lord's going to redistribute the wealth. He's going to take from the poor and give to the rich. And you're like, oh, how dare he do that? Because the Lord's going to say, you buried it here on earth. You didn't use it for me. I'm going to take it and I'm going to give it to the one who had five and it became ten. And I'm going to give it to him because he was faithful with what he had. So again, in light of the coming of the Lord, again, therefore, with that said, be patient, endure. The Lord's coming soon. We need to remember that. He's coming soon. So now's the time to be about his business. Amen. Amen. And then again, he talks about the wealth eating your flesh like fire. And I've yet to see someone, I, maybe this is where the term money burns a hole in your pocket, I don't know. And somehow, oh, my leg's on fire too. Listen, this is speaking about serving money over God, how it will destroy our character. It will eat away at our person. We looked at Judas who pilfered from the finances that came in to fund the Lord's ministry. There were women in particular and others who gave to the ministry of the Lord and Judas pilfered from it. And instead of abounding in the Lord, eventually it exposed he didn't know the Lord. He sold out the Lord for 30 pieces of silver, and then he ended up taking his own life, wanting to escape, really, the place he was in, the misery he was in. And unfortunately, the Bible talks about him being a son of perdition. He's spending eternity in hell. The Bible makes that judgment. But I'll tell you, listen, the Lord is coming soon, and if you want to serve mammon over God, versus being thankful for the mammon the Lord's given you, there's nothing wrong with mammon. But we're to honor God with it first so then we can enjoy these things versus worshiping these things. That will destroy your character. It really will. It will make you short-sighted. And that's why he says, therefore, be patient and endure. Endure. Don't let your flesh get eaten. Don't let your character fall apart. But get established in the Lord to be patient so that you can abound in your character. And listen, the Lord's more, it, it, more concerned with our character than our comfort. And that's why you've got to be patient. Because when he shapes your character, he's going to take you to the Lord's gym. And it's not always going to be comfortable at the Lord's gym. But you'll get gains, and gains are good, right? And then he also, again, you've heat up treasure in the last days. And so again, therefore, it's the last days, therefore, Jesus is coming soon, be patient and endure. It's in the last days. And listen, we're closer to the coming of the Lord than we've ever been before. We'll talk more about that. And then he also talks about, again, a witness. In this case, again, he speaks of those that are wealthy, that... They made money off of their laborers. They didn't properly pay them. Which again is something we really need to take to heart, especially if you're an employer. Don't think, well, the Lord wants to bless me because I'm one of his kids, so I'm going to take that 10% from them and keep it for myself. The Lord doesn't bless that. And we're going to give an account for that. But we also looked at this in light of, again, taking advantage of others to benefit us versus considering our neighbor more important than ourselves, knowing again the Lord of Seboth, the Lord of hosts, he's going to judge those things. So therefore, establish your heart in the Lord. 
Again, walk in truth in your relationship with others, knowing how the Lord's going to sort it all out. Be patient in that. Why? Because the Lord's coming soon. And we're going to give an account. So again, that's how we kind of tie this in with what we looked at last week. We tie it in with the fullness of Scripture. Will I find faith on earth? Many will fall away. Again, this judgment is coming. Therefore, now look at with all that is said. He says, therefore, be patient, brethren, until the coming of the Lord. The word patient here means to be long-spirited, to bear long, to patiently endure. Listen, there's a lot of things in life we have to endure, right? And sometimes we endure it patiently, and sometimes we are impatient. You know, probably most of us have gone to an amusement park before. It seems like we always choose to go on that day where it's the record amount of people in the park, right? And boy, you're really open to go on at least four to six rides. And you have to wait in that line as the sun beats down, the California sun beats down on you and so forth. And you have to endure the line. Hopefully you do it, impatient, you do it patiently. Hopefully you're enjoying the people that you're there with. That's more important than that ride. But you endure it because of the thrill. You want to get spun around for 30 seconds and then go throw up the lunch you've eaten and go, oh, isn't this fun, right? But you, you endure that knowing what, you, you endure it knowing there's a reward, right? You know, there's a payoff. And then there's other things we have to endure. We should do it patiently because we know we have to. Listen, if you need to renew your license, you know if you don't, there's going to be consequences, right? Especially with the way you guys drive. You know, I've seen you leave the parking lot before. No. So you got to go in that DMV and, you know, it's not like how it used to be. You got to take your number and then you sit there and you keep looking at your number. You're like, hey, I was here before him. And he's like, yeah, that's right. but I got the number, right? But you have to endure it. It's better to do it patiently. But, you know, I, I was thinking about just patiently enduring. And I don't know if there's anything that can be compared to a pregnant woman. And it's issue with the coming of the Lord. It, the Lord compares it to a pregnancy, you know, where... You know what, there's a, there's a human being growing in a woman, and boy, there's a lot of changes that go on, right, physically and emotionally, and sometimes there's difficulties that come up, and you've got to endure it, but you endure it knowing that, again, this child's going to come, and as it gets closer, there's more and more birth pains, right? Faster and faster, and the Lord compares that to His coming, but endure, why? Because you know this child's coming into the world. And really, at that point, you pretty much don't got a choice. That child's coming into the world. And we want to endure. We want to be patient. We want to be impatient knowing, again, there's, there's great reward waiting as we endure. And we'll look at some scriptures on this. And we also want to be patient knowing there's consequences if we're not. If, if we, again, race ahead of them. And when we get impatient, we have a tendency to sin and walk in the flesh versus the spirit. To race ahead of the Lord or give up on the Lord or quit following the Lord or start looking for another Lord to abandon truth that is, again, going against the grain of this world versus saying, I just want to go with the flow of emotion or whatever feels good for the day, no absolute truth, so that I don't have to be in this place where I'm stretched and challenged and so forth. And I think when it talks about many falling away, that's what it's speaking and referring to. Whereas the Lord's saying, you got to endure if you stand on the truth, there, there's going to be an affliction that's there. The Bible speaks about this over and over again. And it all comes back to the truth of the scripture. And we see a world that's, listen, it's delusional in so many ways. A world that's getting more and more delusional. I mean, there are just things that are just 
absolutely crazy that we're being told this is true. This doesn't make sense on any level whatsoever. But if you question it, boy, we're going to put a pressure on you. We're going to make life difficulty on you. Talk more about that in a little bit. So we got to learn to wait on him. And listen, we'll see in a minute here, it talks about the latter and the early rain. As we wait on him, listen, the Lord will always refresh. The Lord's going to give us what we need when we patiently endure. And so we can patiently endure. We don't just have to say, well, when the Lord comes, I'll be relieved. The Lord will relieve me as I patiently endure. And oftentimes, again, it's part of being in the Lord's gym. He's tempering us. He's adding to our character as we are in a situation where, boy, there's pressure to abandon truth or to go do our own thing versus walking in what the Lord has. But listen, as we endure, he'll strengthen. He'll bring the early rain. He'll bring the latter rain. Psalm 27, 14, wait on the Lord, be of good courage, and he shall strengthen your heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. Isn't that good? And think of it. How can we not look at Isaiah 40, 29 through 31? He gives power to the weak and to those who have no might. He increases strength. Even the youth shall faint and be weary, and the young men shall utterly fail. But those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. So therefore be patient, brethren. And he's talking to the church here. He's talking to those that have faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. We talked about that already. Therefore be patient, brethren, until the coming of the Lord. And again, it is true, Jesus is coming back he absolutely is it's interesting the bible talks about in romans 8 that when we get saved the first fruits birthed in our spirit through the holy spirit is an eagerness for the coming of the lord and the text here it's in romans 8 18 through um, 25 it talks about how when man sinned that creation became subjected to a curse death set in when man sinned This world wasn't created to be the way that it is. Even as beautiful as it is under this curse, death set in. And the Bible in that passage talks about how the earth groans for the coming of the Lord. And this is why as the coming of the Lord gets closer, there's more disturbances in the earth. It's the birth pains of the earth saying, come Lord Jesus. Do you know the earth cries out for the coming of the Lord? And in context of that, in Romans 8.23, it says not only that, but we also who have the first fruits of the Spirit... Even we ourselves groan within ourselves, eagerly waiting for the adoption of the redemption of our body. For we were saved in this hope, but the hope that is seen is not hope. For why does one still hope for what he sees? But if we hope for what we do not see, notice here, we eagerly wait for it with perseverance. And if you notice, listen, you get your eyes on the Lord, you really consider things as they really are, you see where this world's at and the hopelessness in it and the need for the Lord, you realize that your body is like breaking down and so forth. You look at things truthfully. And boy, does not that stir your heart? Come soon, Lord Jesus. I want to go be with you, Lord. But your flesh over here is saying, listen, we don't want any of that. Listen, live for today. And again, there's nothing wrong with enjoying the things the Lord has given us to enjoy. But the coming of the Lord, there's an eagerness there because We're not like others that don't have hope. We know the Lord is coming soon. And so he says, persevere knowing that. Don't quench those first fruits of the coming of the Lord by being impatient. By saying, I just want my rewards now. But instead of balancing, listen, I want to patiently endure knowing he's coming soon. Also knowing it's my blessed hope. 
Listen to Titus 2.11. For the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust, we shall live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present age, looking for the blessed hope and glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, whom gave himself for us, that he might redeem us from every lawless deed and purify for himself his own special people zealous for good works. And really, I think this verse really talks about the battle here. Again, we're looking to the blessed hope, so we want to live soberly. We want to live righteously, godly, versus in worldly lust. So are we going to endure saying, I want to be sober. I want to take everything being said around me And I want to compare it to Scripture so that I'm sober-minded. Knowing, listen, there's going to be some trials in that. There are going to be some oppositions in that. There might be some name-calling in that. There's going to be some people that get really upset with that and hate you for that. Or am I going to be in this place where I just say, listen, no, this is too difficult. I want to go with the flow and worldly lust. I want to put emotion over truth. I want to put how things make me feel over the scripture. I want to feel good versus I don't want to go to the Lord's gym because it's painful there. I got to endure there. But listen, better to be in the Lord's gym because you know who's in the Lord's gym? The Lord's in the Lord's gym. (laughs) And it's far better to be with the Lord to know, listen, I can have a peace here. I can have fruits of the spirit of God. I can be an empowered Christian versus just saying, listen, too much for me. I'm going to go over here. I'm going to bury my gifts and talents just to go along. Because listen, if you bury your talents, you're burying your light. You're burying the gospel. You're burying your gifts. You say, I want to go incognito over here. I want to look like everybody else because, boy, isn't this easy. And I really like being, you know, applauded by everybody. And like, oh, yeah, we, you know, we, we like that brand of Christianity. Again, we got to live soberly, righteously, godly in this present age. And boy, sober-mindedness, it is so needed because, again, this world's delusional. It just really is. It's amazing to me how much of things have changed, even maybe the last two or three years, where you go, this world's delusional. There's insanity that has taken over. I look back to, I don't know if it was two or three years ago. Listen, I, I, I say this. God loves everybody. He wants to see everyone repent. But I, I use this as an example of how delusional people are and even how the craziest things have changed the thinking of the world and even many in the church when a guy like Bruce Jenner, who, listen, you talk about a phenomenal athlete. I remember watching that guy as a little boy in the Olympics winning the gold medal in the decathlon. We know him as a man his own life. He's on a reality show where he's a man and within... One season to the next of a show that I will never watch lest my eyes burn out of my head. <laughs> now the guy's a woman. And I remember seeing that going, oh, come on. And next thing you know, all these things say he's the woman of the year. <laughs> Where are the feminists? That's not a woman, ladies. Where are you at? But the heartbreaking part of it, little boys and little girls, and listen, it's common for them to be confused, right? Foolishness is bound up in the heart of a child whom God has made a little boy. Biblically, 
he says he makes it male and female, and we're going to talk about science. Science says that you're a boy. We got all the evidences on you, inside and outside. But since you decided you're a girl, we're going to go with that. Oh, how heartbreaking, how damaging for that child. Oh, even go start looking at even the statistics and the studies. So damaging. But that's the new truth. And if you say, boy, that's not right. Oh, boy, you know what? We're going to come down on you and we're going to grind you down. We're going to come against you. You're intolerant. You're not loving. You're not caring. I think that's one of many examples. But it's such a clear one. And you're like, if three, four years ago someone would have told me, I'd say, you're, no way. We got to be sober-minded. This is why this is what this is talking about. Because the Lord is coming soon. And the Lord, listen, not my opinion, the Lord said he's coming soon. Revelation 22, verse 7, last chapter of the Bible, Jesus said, Behold, I'm coming quickly. quickly. Blessed is he who keeps the words of the prophecy of this book. You're going to be blessed if you walk soberly. You walk on the truth of the word of God because many are going to fall away from the truth. They're going to go the road of apostasy. They're going with emotion. They're going with feelings. They're going with, which is taking over the evangelical world, progressive Christianity, which is not Christianity. And boy, it is coming in like a tidal wave. A tidal wave. The evangelical church at so many places is becoming grossly lawless and liberal. And when I say that, I'm not talking about a liberalism that's kind to your neighbor, but a liberalism that says we do not want the truth of Scripture. Revelation 22, 12, Jesus said, Behold, I'm coming quickly. My reward is with me to give to everyone according to his work. So be patient, endure, establish your hearts. And then in the last verses of the Bible, verse 20 of Revelation 22, He who testifies to these things says, Surely I'm coming quickly. Amen. Even so, come, Lord Jesus. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Amen. Or amen being saying, This is the absolute truth. There's no changing it. He's coming soon. Are we going to be patient? Are we going to endure? Are we going to be sober-minded? Are we going to say, this is too much. I want to go with the apostasy. I want to go with this falling away from the truth. Go study your Bibles. Please test everything I'm saying. Because you're going to see this over and over and over again. An abandoning of truth. In fact, again, we know the Lord's coming for His church. It says we're going to be caught up to meet the Lord in the clouds. To meet Him in the air. And then in this tribulation, it's basically a world that God still has a witness there, but he basically says, you want a world without me? I'm going to give it to you. And boy, you talk about a wrath poured out for seven years, and most people still, the Bible says, shake their fists at God. A remnant come to faith. But most of the world still shakes their fists at the Lord. And then at the end of that time, listen, in Revelation 19, it talks about the Lord coming back to judge and make war with the nations. And boy, that's not a popular Jesus today. In fact, that's a Jesus that the world says doesn't exist. And it's a Jesus, unfortunately, that much of the church or a lot of Christianum is saying he doesn't exist either. Jesus hasn't come. Jesus isn't going to make war. Jesus isn't going to judge anything. Jesus isn't going to fight for the nations, against the nations. Even though it talks about a sharp sword coming out of his mouth, striking the nations who say, We don't want you, God. Heaven is not going to be full of people who do not want God. And this idea, well, you know what? 
universalism. They'll all eventually get there. They don't want God. That's why this is the valley decision. Do you want him or do you not want him? Do you want your sin to be your own God? Or do you want to bend knee to your maker and ask Jesus to wash you and cleanse you? And he will. He will. No matter what you've been involved in or you have done. How far you've gone. He loves saving sinners. Heaven rejoices. And listen, he went to war for us already at the cross of Calvary while we were still sinners. God demonstrated his love for us in sending his son to die for us. So will we yield to him and say, Jesus, forgive me? Or will we shake our fists and say, no, I'm not going to yield to you. I do not want your truth. The same God who saved us will judge us if we reject him. But again, it's a delusional world that just says, no, that's not, how, that's not who Jesus is. Have you read the scriptures? You better believe that's who he is. Wednesday night, we were there in Exodus. As they rejoiced after God delivered the Israelites out of Egypt and he destroyed the Egyptian army, they sung praise to God. Our Lord is a man of war. And he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And the coming of the Lord is at hand. Notice this illustration here. He says, see how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth, waiting patiently for it until he receives the early and latter rain. A farmer has to be patient. Listen, he goes to all this work, you know, he has the land, it's a gift. He goes to all this work, plowing it, planting seed, weeding it, chasing off stuff, you know, uh, varmints and whatnot. What happens if a farmer gets impatient? Not good things, right? There's no harvest. He says, listen, I I can't wait. We got the early rain, but this latter rain is not coming. Let's just start digging this up and see what we got here. You're like, slow your roll. (laughs) Old McDonald's getting ahead of himself, right? (laughs) He's got to be patient. He's got to exercise faith. And listen, farmers, they grow in their faith because year after year, listen, they see that crop. And they know, listen, even that year, that maybe there's not a crop. There'll be a crop next year. They patiently endure. And he says, learn from them. And again, let's learn. As we wait on the Lord, he will bring the early, the latter rain. He will refresh us. He will strengthen us. He will give us what we need. Galatians 6, 9, let us not grow weary while doing good for in due season we shall reap if we do not lose heart. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all, especially to those who are of the household of faith. Again, let's grow weary, or let's not grow weary. In due season, we're going to reap a reward. You've got to be patient for that. The flesh says, I want it now. I want my reward now. Listen, everything that God's given me to oversee that's His, I want the reward of that now versus stepping out of faith and saying, let me honor God with my first fruits and what He's given to me. Or I want, listen, I want to be in a place where Everyone sings my praises now, and I'm accepted now. So I'm just going to abandon truth and go along with this. Verse saying, listen, the Lord was crucified. The Bible talks about tribulations and trials and so forth. It's par for the course. Praise God. You put it there, Lord. I, I want to honor you and really love these people, knowing I'm going to reap what I sow. I want a harvest to come. And again, 
These aren't light matters. The Bible talks about this over and over and over again. It's interesting. Jesus talks about the parable of the sower. And in Luke 8, 11 through 15, he gives the meaning of it. And the seed's the word of God. He talks about the seed that falls on the wayside. There are the people there and the devil comes and he takes away that seed. And then in verse 13, he says, but the ones on the rock are those who, when they hear, receive the word with joy. And these have no root. Notice, they believe for a little while in a time of temptation, they fall away. They don't endure. They're excited about the idea of salvation, but when temptation comes to get rewarded now to walk in the flesh, they don't endure. And I think that's one of two things. It's showing that person was never saved or perhaps that deep, they're that deeply backslidden Christian. But boy, listen, if there's not fruits there, repent. And then he says, now the ones that fell on the thorns are those who when they have heard, go out and are choked with the cares, riches, and pleasures of life and bring no fruit to maturity. Again, kind of the same idea. They want to go after those things, whether it's a trial choking them out, or they just say, I don't want to endure what God's called me into. I want to walk in the flesh. Verse 15 says, but the ones who fell on the good ground are those who have, having heard the word with a noble and good heart, keep it and bear fruit with patience. Notice again the word patience. Verse 80 says, so you... Be patient, establish your hearts. Again, we keep seeing that word coming up. Patience, perseverance, endurance. And we're just scratching the surface. It's all over the scripture. By the way, patience is a fruit of the Holy Spirit. God wants to birth that in us. That happens when we crucify the flesh and we walk in the spirit. Because the flesh, again, doesn't want to be patient. Galatians 5.24, and those who have Christ, who have Christ, Crucify the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live in the Spirit, let us walk in the Spirit. And it gets a sober-mindedness. To walk in the Spirit says, I want to be governed by God's Word. I want to be sober-minded. The flesh says, I don't want to be sober-minded. I want to walk in with feels good, experiences, feelings, emotions, stuff people come up with. We don't need the Scriptures. I'm rolling with this. He says, establish yourself. It means to set fast. I love this. One of the definitions to turn resolute in a certain direction. Meaning, I want to follow the Lord. I'm resolute. I am going in this direction. I'm not going to get swayed away from it. I'm going to get established. Versus tossed to and fro. What happens if, with a plan if you keep digging it up here and planting it over here, then digging it up here and planting it over here? It doesn't get established, does it? Hebrews 13.9, do not be carried about with various and strange doctrines. For it's good that the heart is established by grace, not with foods which have not profited those who have been occupied with them. And listen, getting established starts with grace. Some people said, well, it's grace plus stuff you do, your diet and so forth. No, we get established by grace. Christ died for me. He rose from the grave. It's his gift. Grace is unmerited favor. I come to faith in Jesus. I'm in grace and now grace has divine influence on me to now begin to walk in the Lord. Listen to Colossians 2, 6. As you therefore have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in Him, rooted and built up in Him, established in the faith as you have been taught, abounding in it with thanksgiving. So again, listen, it goes back to grace. I want to walk in grace. And praise God, listen, when I trip up, I go back to grace. And even on those days I'm, very much fruit. It's only because of grace. It's the Lord. We're established in Him. And then real quickly, 
I don't have time to go into deep detail on these things. Some of the stuff we've touched at, touched on. But what are some things that help establish us in the Lord that we need in our life? And there's a lot, but I'll just give you a few. And these are all wonderful, good things. Again, we've got to stand on the Word of God. Listen to Hebrews 2.1. Therefore, we must, give, we must give the more earnest heed of these things we have heard, lest we drift away. Now's not the time to abandon the Scripture. Now's the time to give more earnest heed to the Scripture. Lord talks about, again, that man who hears the word of God and acts on it. He's the man that builds his house on the rock, right? And the storms come, but it stands. But the man who abandons the word of truth and builds his house on the sand, the storms come, and it's a great fall. I'm going to tell you this morning again, there is a great assault on the truth of Scripture. The Bible talks about it over and over and over again. Do not grow weary of truth this morning, amen? Please, listen, as your pastor, I am trying to bring truth week after week. Please do not grow weary with me bringing you truth week after week after week after week. And pray that I am doing that and will continue to do it. Because sometimes I see a trend of... And again, listen, I don't know what's going on in our community. The Lord knows. I know God, listen... I know that the Lord is faithful to give a witness everywhere. But I see people come in from places battered and bruised, and they're like, it's so refreshing. I'm hearing truth. You're preaching the Bible. And I think, shouldn't everyone be doing that? Thank you, thank you, thank you. And then I've seen other folks who've been here for a while, and they're like, man, you're so negative. You just teach the Bible. It's so negative. There's nothing negative about truth at all. And if truth starts becoming negative to you, fall on your knees and get sober-minded. Truth saves people. It sets them free. But we're in a world that's been conditioned. Truth is negative. That's wrong. Truth is positive. There's nothing more positive than Christ crucified and raised from the dead. And if that message starts becoming negative to you, Oh, please check thyself before you wreck thyself. Man. If this idea of walking in truth is negative to you, guys, we got to be sober-minded. The truth is positive, and part of the truth, when you let it shine, it exposes that which is untrue. And let's not get angry when the light shines and expose heresies and apostasies and False gospels, again, that are abounding in the scripture says they would abound in the R and say, boy, that's negative over there. They're not negative over here. Listen, if you're preaching that stuff, you're negative against the gospel and the truth. And oh, my, where's the fear of God? And again, I pray God blesses every pulpit where the word of God is being preached. The gospel is being preached. And there are many of them. There are many of them, and many of them on our radio station. Our bookstore is loaded with people like that. We have no cornerstone on the truth. The truth is the scripture. We want to stand on the word of God. But unfortunately, most places where the truth is being taught, 
There's not millions and millions and millions and millions of books and things being sold. Praise God, the Bible's still the number one seller. We've got to stand on the truth. Listen, I talked about this earlier in Luke 18. Jesus said men ought to always pray and not lose heart. You want to endure, you better be a man of prayer, a woman of prayer. I don't want to read it. I don't have time. But in Colossians or 2 Corinthians 6, 4 through 7, it talks about enduring impatience, tribulations, needs, distresses, stripes, imprisonments, tumults, labors, sleeplessness, and fasting. And there's all kinds of things listed there how we do that. Some we've already touched on, but it talks about purity in the Holy Spirit. We need the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. And listen, the empowerment of the Holy Spirit comes when we want to live a pure life. Short accounts with the Lord. If we want to live a life just full of impurity, welcoming it, bringing it in, abounding in that, it grieves the work of the Holy Spirit. When John said, one comes after me who's mightier than me, I'm not worthy to loose his sandal strap, he'll baptize with the Holy Spirit and fire. The word fire there is pur, it means to purify. Listen, if there's things in your life you're dabbling in, you're allowing, you're, you're preventing yourself from being established in the Lord. Bring them before him. Ask the Lord to help you. Say, Lord, help me with this in sincerity. And guess what? He will. We got to stay in fellowship, Christ-centered fellowship. Is our Christian fellowship biblical, biblically based? Is it Christ-centered Hebrews 10, 23, let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering. Again, notice these words. He who promises faithful, let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as in the manner of some, but exhorting one another, and so much the more as you see the day approaching. Exhorting one another, not with our thoughts, our emotions, the latest piece of fiction that contradicts Scripture. We exhort one another with truth, Right? We need that. Oh, I pray to God if he tarries that this would be a place of truth, truth and love and respect, kindness, loving one another, not wanting to beat each other up with the log in our eye, right? But we need that. And listen, the leadership in this church, it's heavy on our heart to try to create more opportunities where we can have that fellowship. And if you guys were at the last Refuge Roundup, we talked a lot about some things that we're praying about and kind of are in the works, and we'll see what happens. But listen, don't forsake that assembly. We're almost done here, but listen, again, you get established as well through an eternal perspective. We're talking about the coming of the Lord at hand. He's coming, life's a vapor. Listen to 2 Corinthians 4.16. And we do not lose heart, even though our outward man is perishing, yet the inward man is being renewed day by day. For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, is working for us a far more exceeding and eternal way to glory. While we do not look at the things which are seen, but the things which are not seen, for the things which are seen are temporary, but the things which are not seen are eternal. So we don't lose heart. We're patient. We get established, knowing that, again, even that trial that's going to come, it's a light affliction. It's nothing to be compared to. Again, standing before the Lord and hearing, well done, thy good and faithful servant. And then lastly in this text, he says, the coming of the Lord is at hand. Again, it's more at hand than ever. Jesus said he's coming quickly. Interesting, we talk about this often. 2 Peter 3 talks about how 
The closer he comes, the more scoffers will arise, mocking that he is coming. And it says they walk according, where is it out here? Walking according to their own lust. They don't want to be sober-minded. Jesus says, I'm coming soon. Get ready. Be about my business. But they want to walk according to their own lust. And when you start seeing people downplaying eschatology, not talking about the coming of the Lord, um, when you see a Brian Broderson trying to put Chuck Smith in a negative light, saying all he taught was doom and gloom because he continually talked about the coming of the Lord, red flag it, man. The young people aren't attracted to that. Calvary Chapel was built talking about the coming of the Lord, son. Educate yourself. A a grudge against it, almost a mocking, a scoffing. The coming of the Lord is at hand. And even if you don't come back in 50 years, a day is a thousand years, a thousand years is a day. That is not far away. But he might come today. He might come tomorrow. And again, if you get a grudge, if me saying that raises a grudge in your heart, that's not against me, it's against the Lord, because the Lord said he is coming soon. He is coming soon. And again, in that all of a discourse, he talks about those signs. And I'll tell you, when he says I'm coming quickly, it's a picture of pregnancy when there's labor pains, the increasing of the labor pains. And delusional thinking, as we talked about early, it is spreading like labor pains. It's like none of this, is, none of this even makes sense. This stuff's ludicrous. How is it increasing? I, I, if, listen, I, and people have been saying this for years, how much worse can it get? It may get a whole lot worse. Can you imagine if the Lord tarries what our world's going to look like in three years, five years? It doesn't matter who the president is. Oh, Trump's going to save us. You're delusional if you're thinking that. Granted, I like a lot of his policies better than the other guy. Both of them need Jesus. If that's your Messiah, you are delusional. Because not all you see is what you get as well. Sometimes these these groups even play against each other, manipulating the people to hate each other more. To cast stones. Jesus said a a, a kingdom divided against itself is going to fall. And even on practical levels, there's truth in that. People wanting to war with other people over this. Some of the most silliest things. Won't talk to other people just because they don't agree with them about something. Let that not be us, amen? Amen. And at the same time, stand in truth, and if they don't like you for that, let that not be us shrinking back from it. But let's not return evil for evil. Don't get all offended when someone doesn't like you anymore. Pray for them. Now, if it's because of something you did, apologize to them. But as for truth, just pray for them. The Lord says, rejoice in that day, your reward's great in heaven. But as part of the outlook, we need to be patient and to endure. Let's stand up and close in prayer. Oh, Lord God, we need you, Lord, desperately. We've got to be established in grace. This has to start and end with you, Lord. 
Our flesh can't do anything. We need our minds renewed. I thank you, Lord, for all these folks here today, God. I, I believe they're here, God, because they want to be more established in you. And Lord, I commend them for, Lord, saying, I want to take my Sunday and come out, get into the Word of God and worship the Lord and fellowship and break some bread. Just bless your, bless your children here today, Lord. And listen, if you're here today, you don't know the Lord. Today's the day of salvation. I've shared the gospel with you two or three times in this message. Talked about faith in Him and repentance and trusting in Him. If you haven't called on the name of the Lord, today's the day of salvation. He wants to wash you, cleanse you, save you, and He will. No matter what you've done, what you've been into, what you're into, bring it before Him. Lay it down and ask Him to forgive you. Ask Him to be the Lord of your life. Tell Him, Lord Jesus, I, I, I want you to be my Lord. I want to be a follower of Christ. He will save you this morning, right now. He will cleanse you. He will be your Lord. He will be your Savior. Listen, we're going to close in worship of the Lord. If that's you, listen, respond to Him. And at the end of this message, the altar is going to be open. There's going to be folks up here that would love to pray with you for those reasons or others. Come up and pray with one of these folks. Let us put a Bible in your hands. Encourage you in your new walk with the Lord. We thank you and praise you, Lord. Also bless that food that's been made to our bodies out there. Thank you for the hands that have made it. Let's lift our voices to the Lord as we close. Let's, let's worship our God. Keeper of the stars, Lord of time and space.
Amen. Amen. Hey, God bless you. Have a wonderful day in the Lord Jesus Christ.